Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not go you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shell Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. And I'm Jason Lindsay. And, man, I, I, I feel like I, I, I almost can't talk about this next week without doing my what I'm excited about, because it's Toy Fair. Of course. And I just, and I love it. It's like... It's like Christmaca and Halloween and Thanksgiving, and uh, I know how much you love Arbor Day. Oh, man, I do love Arbor it's Day. It's all, all rolled into one, sprinkled with toys for you. <laughs> That's right, yes. With little toy sprinkles. Like you got, the, you got the donut, and then they forgot the sprinkles, and you went, could you throw on the sprinkles, please? And the, the sprinkles are the toys. I do, I do wish that uh, – I'm hoping that the entire sort of eastern seaboard uh, gets all this weather out of their system now. Of course. I know they've, they've, been, I know they've been sort of pounded. How bad could uh, it possibly ever, ever since the polar vortex. How bad could the weather get on the east coast? Ugh. Come on. Well, you remember last year, we, it was trains, planes, and automobiles. Like They canceled our flight. Oh, yeah. There, so we had to fly to Philly, take a train in. That's right. To get on the subway to get to our hotel, it was it was a mess. It was crazy. You get a one man sub to get to the <laughs> Javits yes. Center, right? That's pretty much it. Well, you yeah. know my story. It's coming up. I can't. I can't even believe the one and only time I went to Toy Fair was actually. You know, now that we think of it, it's the first time I met you in the flesh. That's right. Was at Toy Fair 2007, yep. and we had brought uh, Biff Bang Pow had brought our first like four prototypes. Oh, I take it back. Six prototypes. It was. Uh, some of the bobbleheads, then it was the Flash and the Ming from Flash Gordon. It was the Dude and Walter um, uh, urban uh, vinyl, uh, urban achiever vinyl figures. And then we d- had the 12-inch Dude and Walter, which never got made. Uh, and that was it. And it was it was that one time I went to New York, um, spent time with my family, went to the Toy Fair thing, crazy, everything I'd read about, met you, met uh, Zach Oat, people like that. Yep. And then I was part of that whole JetBlue madness, Valentine's Day madness, uh, 2007, oh. where I was I was the last JetBlue plane to take off from JFK. We got we boarded around 5 p.m. and we didn't take off until 1:15 a.m. And, wow. and we sat on the plane the whole time. And it was like it went from pleasant to weird to Lord of the Flies. These people just. <laughs> It was. I couldn't wait to just get either get off the plane or get home because. Someone, but you're friends with all of them to this day. You know what's funny? You say that is I. There were there were three or four women. Uh, it, they just happened to be women. It was it was nothing weird um, that I became friendly with at the terminals. Like we would sort of uh, compare notes. Like, did you hear that the flight got moved to terminal five B or something? No. Wait, wait, when when did you hear that? And we'd kind of. Then we, some of us like bought food together, and then once the plane madness started, you know, by hour three, I'm going back to their seats, going, "Listen, uh, I've got uh, some peanut M and M's. Do you have anything? What did, what did, <laughs> I'll you trade you. Yeah, well, I've got a granola bar and half a turkey sandwich. Okay, I'll give you the peanut M and M's for the half a turkey sandwich if I can get part of the. You know, it got funny. And then some of them, you know, I met up for drinks, dinner with uh, a couple of times after that because it really was this bizarre. 
experience. And people were just – I mean, they, didn't they change some some regulations after that about – because they wouldn't give people – Of you not being able to talk to of women? Of me not being able to talk to women on aircraft while the aircraft is grounded. Once we're in the air, right. anybody. That, that's yeah, still not in on. effect. Um, but no, you know, but the whole the whole thing was they wouldn't let people use the bathrooms and they wouldn't they wouldn't give people water or, you know, any kind of food or anything uh, because the, the, you couldn't the plane had to be in the air and leveled off or something. Uh, and things got I mean, it was good for us. But for other horror stories I heard about were just awful about well, the bathrooms and just the smell and the weirdness and and people just they just turned into animals. It was yeah. we were out there so long that they had to eventually swap out the pilots. Oh my so gosh. they sent a van out in the blizzard out, out onto the runway to swap out the pilots. And um, if you ever doubt how, how people are like sheep and, and basically animals at their, at their core, and if you ever doubt what a uniform – you know that old joke about like give me a clipboard and a pen – and you can, I'll get in anywhere, <laughs> any studio. Yeah. You know, this, walk with direction and purpose. Exactly. And um, this was one moment that it was just all coming to a crescendo. This woman went mental. And I was in the front row, so I was very close to the cabin. And at this point, there's a, you know, a female and a male flight attendant. And, and one guy had reduced her to tears. He was so nasty to this woman. And this woman gets up and she just starts screaming. I want to talk to the pilot. I want to get off this plane. And my son is – I've got to – she's screaming. She's hysterical. And the flight attendants are saying, ma'am, please come. We're going to take off any minute. I promise you we've got a new pilot. And this goes on for five minutes. And all of a sudden the pilot comes out of the cockpit. And he's – maybe he had the hat on. Maybe he didn't. I don't remember. Maybe I'm getting too romantic. Um, but he just looked at her and said, ma'am, I understand I, I do understand and I empathize, but we have nowhere to take you. We can't go back to the terminal. It's, it's shut down. We're, we're about to take off. If you just give us a little more time, I promise you, we're going to take off and everything's going to be fine. And she just melted. Like she's a man on the wing of this plane. She totally just just was like, oh, okay, oh, okay, that's that's fine. And he like gave her a, you know, water and some food and everything was fine. A little pin that looks like wings. Yeah, and that was it. I I then stabbed her with a pen when she got back to her seat. Right. Uh, but, uh, but it was a great story. Well, it's funny. I, I, I literally, yesterday, I was going through some stuff. I was looking for something else uh, on my hard drive, but I came across those pictures that I took of the Biff Bang Pow booth in 2007. At oh, that's Day. funny. Do you remember me coming up to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You were walking totally in the do. opposite direction. Yeah. I had seen you. You, you passed the booth, and, I, and I'd only really seen you Maybe I would have seen you. Would I have seen you in Toy Fair magazine? Were you ever photographed in Toy Fair magazine? Uh, or maybe I just no, recognized you. From any, the site. Anytime I was in Toy Fair magazine, there was like a black bar across my eyes because they didn't like the the web press. Okay, so then it must have been off the web. And I, Probably I, so. I reckon because it's not like you were wearing a big action figure insider T-shirt or something. Right. And I kind of chased you, tackled you around the ankles. Uh, you hit the ground. Camera went flying. Yep. And I said, uh, did you see that guy? He just tripped you. And I tried to blame it on someone else. <laughs> uh, and then um, we got, I introduced myself, and I knew who you were. And you knew who I was. You knew of the company. You were aware. Yep. And I said, if you get time, you know, I'd love to have you down and talk to me. And you came down, and I think you took more pictures and, like, did a little interview or something. Uh, but that was 2007. That was the first time we actually met in person. We're coming up on our blah, blah anniversary. 
I mean, Crazy. technically. Yeah. Because, I mean, in fact, I don't think we'd even spoken before that, had we? Had we, had we ever talked on the phone? No, I, d- I don't think we had. So that was, so that was it. That was, that was, um, that was our first meeting. And luckily I made a good enough impression and, uh, here we are. Yeah. I was, I was just sort of shocked that someone knew me by sight actually. Oh, that, that, so that hadn't really happened. No, not, not that much. Well, that's funny. No. Cause 2007 is when we had just, that's when we launched AFI. Like I'd been writing for, for AF times before that. So okay. that, that was like, that was like our big, uh, our big launch year and stuff. So I remember, I remember that. I remember being completely ill-equipped for the cold weather, trying to hail cabs in a flimsy jacket. Ugh. I think I then saw, didn't I see you at the diamond party too? Uh, probably. Yeah. I think I saw you there. We, we reconnected there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't quite the thrill I thought it might be, but it was very nerve wracking. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a funny animal just in that. I mean, and I, we've probably talked about this in years past. It's not just toys there. It right. is, you know, costumes, it's Christmas decorations, it's dolls, yeah. it's baby toys, it's wooden toys. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's it runs the gamut. It's gigantic, yeah. but it's it is a trade show. Yeah. It is not a convention, so there's kind of a different vibe to it. In that, I mean, this is this is what's going to make and break people's year. I mean, this is their livelihood. Yeah. So, you know, at a convention, it's like everyone's kind of there to see the stuff, and it's like, oh my gosh. But this, I mean. I don't want to paint it as depressing or anything, but there is a bit of an air of desperation coming from some people. Oh, I remember you know? actually now that you mention it, where where the booth was, where we were situated, there were a couple of guys, you know, to our right or left that were very much like their, you know, their own little company. And one was like he was trying to sell like um a a, a chess set. But it had his own made-up character, something. I forget, I forget what this was, but it was just – I just thought of all the effort that must have gone into this for this guy. And I thought, no one's talking to him. In the three days I'm here, no one's, no one's talking to him. Um, but yeah, no, it's very much – and in fact, it, I think that was the year that things just started to kind of change. Like people weren't showing as much, um, taking up as much space. And you know, the internet, of course, was you – know, a lot more could get done via – the web and everything. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, there's a lot of it for us, you know, and for my, my partner, Jason Labwoods, you know, to a lot of it has to do with in-person meetings, obviously. Um, and little surprises that peek out here and there, but we will all of course be tuned in to action figure insider because you will be shooting stuff, uh, you know, taking pictures of stuff and then, you know, posting it right away. Right. On, on the site. That's correct. Yep. Yep. Which uh, which is a different thing too. I mean, didn't it used to take? Didn't it used to be that you you know had to wait until you got back to the hotel kind of thing? But you can just do stuff as you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we can put it directly up on the site from our iPads and our iPhones and stuff. And so you should get lots. Just just crazy, but yeah, yeah, lots we'll of traffic be doing... heading your way. And and Geyer's going to be there too, isn't he? I've, I've been talking. That's him. right. He's going to be there for part of it. Yeah. So Jason Geyer will be there. Give him a, a kick in the shins for me, if you will. I will. And uh, yeah, but you know, I know I know a couple of things that you know will be debuted there that I can't talk about, but I'm very excited to be able to talk about next time. Yeah, me too. From some different places. I know a couple of things that, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to compare notes when you come back uh, because uh, 
and again, being on this, the other side of it, you know, making this stuff, um, sometimes you hear about things where you go, really? That's really, that's really happening. Cause we've been talking to those bastards for a year and a half. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting too. Um, so I guess we've kind of kicked it off. First off, welcome back. It's been a while since we've uh, yeah. been able to talk craziness, you and I, but, uh, is that what you're excited about? That is what I'm excited about. Toy Fair. We're leaving on Friday uh, of this week, so uh, this episode will probably go up tomorrow, I think. What is what is today? Wednesday? What are we? Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. So it'll probably go up one Wednesday. So right. by the time you know some of you may be listening to this, I may already be there because uh, Hasbro always does their big uh, press uh, nerd press thing uh, a day early. They do it on Saturday. Right. And that, so, isn't that uh, a real? Is that the real real early bird one? Like seven yes. in the morning kind of thing? No, no. Uh, Lego is the one that does the crazy early. Lego. Ones. Speaking of yeah. which, and we'll get to it because we've got to talk about what I'm excited about. I'm assuming you've seen the Lego movie. Oh, oh I did. I went opening day. Or the, the Lego movie, parentheses, the Daniel Pickett story. <laughs> yes, that's right. I mean, right. isn't that just about between this week for Toy Fair and somebody's making a Lego movie? Isn't that pretty much all your holidays wrapped up into one? It really is, yeah. And there's a Lego game to go like the, the kind that I like that's based on the film. Now, so. did, have you have you played the game yet? I haven't yet. You, because I'm, I'm curious, I'd be finishing curious up, to know if, I, if they use some of the same voice talent um, as the as the movie. Oh right, yeah. I would think, you know, probably because uh, it's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Micah, Micah Lopez, who just moved to LA after all these years, um, he was he's been pushing the. Um, animated series uh, Ultimate Spider-Man uh-huh. on me, saying it's one of the best animated series ever. And it, it is good. I don't know how much of it you've seen, but it's very comic book. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very funny. Yeah. But uh, it gets it gets the tone, I think, of, of Spider-Man. I don't love it, but it's uh, just watching it, it's cool, because they use um, Agent Coulson. They use uh, Clark Gregg. Mm-hmm. Clark Gregg, right? Yes. And... Um, or is it Greg Clark? I can never remember. It's Clark Greg. Because I'm oh I'm getting I'm thinking of Clark Duke, the other, the young guy who's in like Kickass, um, Clark Greg. And um, every time J. Jonah Jameson, I'm like, is that J.K. Simmons? They got him, <laughs> and they use him as as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very cool. So the Lego thing, I'd be curious to know if they just tried to rope everybody into the game and the movie it would make sense to to do that because the games are so huge now. Yeah, but I did hear it's delightful. You know, I'm not a Lego guy, but it's the kind of thing that if I don't run out to see it, I'll I'll watch it as soon as it hits hits DVD or something. It, it looks like a cute cute movie. But we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, we'll get to. I'll do what I'm excited about. Do it. Can I do two? All right, I'll let you. Well, do. We've, been, we've been gone a little bit, so. sort of simultaneous in a way. Okay. Um, no, and you know what? I take it back. I won't do two. I'll do one. Um, for those of you that. Um, I'll give a quick little little uh, history uh, lesson here. I'm sure a lot of you know about this, but it was a very famous uh, homemade adaptation of Raiders of the Lost Ark that uh, I first read about. Gosh, I think I first read about this. It's got to be late 90s, maybe early 2000s, I think. And there was a big Vanity Fair article that yeah. I read about. And it is an incredible story. 
about these three friends that starting in 1981, right after they saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, so they're, they're all our age. You know, our, they're all probably 11, 12 years old when the movie comes out. They decide they want to do a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's become known as Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation. Now, uh, it's, what, what's incredible about – I'll get to this real quick. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever had a chance to see it? I've seen the whole thing, yeah. Okay. Did you see it at the Santa Barbara Fest like five or six years ago? I saw it in t- either 2005 or 2006. Those guys did a TED Talk. Okay. The guys that created okay. it, and it was at the, the silent movie theater in L.A. Okay, so, I, so it might have been around the same time. They, there was a Santa Barbara Film Festival or something, and they showed it there, and they showed up to talk about it because it is not commercially available. You cannot just right. – I mean maybe there's bootlegs floating around. I don't know, but you can't just – you can't get this thing because it is a note-for-note, shot-for-shot, music – script everything remake of Raiders and it is not only is it fantastic I mean it truly is one of the, there's so much that you read about or hear about that becomes hyperbole that you eventually see and you go is that what everybody was crazy this thing is is a work of art I mean it's really a beautiful thing the background story to it is just as amazing because these guys were just tenacious and it, it I mean it went on and off correct me if I'm wrong here it went on and off from 81 to like, what was it, like 90 or 92 or something almost? It, it was years. Years. Yeah, it was like these guys did this. And, they, went, and they, they would go to the library and like read how to do these special effects things. This is all pre-internet. That's right. So they're trying to figure out how to make faces melt. And, right. You know, how to burn the thing. They, right. And they set their mom's basement on fire. That's the, that's the, 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 the bar in, uh, in Nepal, right? Isn't that the fight? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's like, they're using gasoline. To put it on, on wood in this garage or basement, whatever it is. I mean, you're watching this. So not only did they do all that stuff, but I mean, they they would take these breaks where you know real life would get in the way. You know, puberty, high school, uh, relationships. One of them stole the other one's girlfriend. I mean, they had falling outs, things like that. But they just, however many years went by, they just would not give up on this thing, and they had to keep shooting it. So you can see them physically change while you watch this thing. You can see them getting older as this thing progresses. But it's amazing yeah. to me because it's on so many levels, the tenacity, the love, the, the care of this thing, that it came from fans just like us that love this movie so much. But, I mean, I always make this joke about, you know, try to find three or four friends that can all agree on what restaurant to go to on a Friday night or what movie to rent or whatever. It's impossible. Once you get more than, you know, two people, it gets harder to make a decision or to, you know, come to terms. To find two other people that are so determined, as determined as you would be, to get this thing done. And it's, and it's beautiful. And so it's never been able to be released commercially for a number of reasons. But, you know, over the years, Spielberg and Lucas have seen it. Spielberg says it's the, it's the greatest love letter that they've ever gotten from anybody on any of their work. They just announced, I think it went up today, maybe, there's a Kickstarter. The one thing that's always been missing from the adaptation that they did is the big fight between Indy, the German mechanic, and where the flying wing is. Yep. So they have decided, after all these years, to finally get that sequence shot. And there's a Kickstarter going on for it as we speak. I think it just went up. And um, one of the things, I mean, I don't know all the, the bits and bobs that you might get if you if you read pledge or whatever or, or donate. But one of the things you, you will get, I believe, is a copy of the adaptation on, on DVD, which I've oh, always wow. wanted to get because I just think it's 
beautiful. So um, I just wanted to give a plug for it that if you if you love this thing or you know are curious about it at all to to donate to this, uh, so these guys can finish this uh, you know thirty some year quest to make this thing um, and get a copy of the of the movie too. But yeah, I mean one of the one of the breaks, and I think it it shut them down for about a year was the mom found out that they set the basement on fire, you know, right. and made them stop. But one of my favorite stories that they told at that Ted talk was they were trying to cast the head, uh, of Belloc, uh-huh. uh, for, you know, one of those special effects at the end. So they were going to do the, the plaster cast of the guy's face. Okay. So they start, you know, wrapping him in the, in the wet, you know, sort of bandages and stuff. Uh-huh. And then put the straws in his mouth because this is what they read about in the in the in the library. Right. And then they start applying the uh, plaster of Paris to his face. But they they got quick drying because they thought that would be better. But the the reason why it's quick drying <laughs> is that it's a chemical reaction. So it started heating up oh. on this guy's face. Oh shit. And he cannot move his mouth <laughs> and cannot speak. <laughs> To tell them my face is burning. Oh my <laughs> you know? god! Yeah, can you imagine saying, that feeling? When you, like when you look at this stuff, I mean, when you look at that that fight in in the bar in Nepal, and you see you, you you're watching it going. They, they are you know a quarter of an inch away from you know lighting themselves on fire. Like there's no safety to this whatsoever. It really is just by their fingernails, and that's what makes it so appealing as, as a story. I mean, I think, I think now it's taken on a life of its own where there's a book that's been written about it. There's uh, the story's been optioned, you know, to make it into a, an, a biopic of these guys. Yep. Sort of. They're all kind of, I think, involved in the industry now. Or they're doing things because of this. So it's, it's wonderful that it's got this, this happy ending. But the, one of the most remarkable things about it is just, just what you, you mentioned, you know, if it weren't for the library or, you know, Fangoria or Starlog or different things that they picked up, they wouldn't have been able to do this stuff. And, Imagine doing it today, it'd be a thousand times easier to get something like this done or just shot or made. This is video cameras with VHS videotapes, you know, which were monsters. Those machines were monsters. And then editing, I'm I'm assuming, from, you know, tape to tape. Had to be linear. That's right. Yeah. So this is old school for the old school. You know, this is really, that's what's so appealing about it because you go, you know, it's, it's it's an amazing story. It's like a triple threat. It's like an amazing uh, job that was done. The background story of these friends and what they went through in their personal lives, because there was one of the big falling outs, I believe was one of them, you know, their teenage years has got a girlfriend and the other guy like steals the girlfriend or something. Um, right. And they, you know, well, the guy, the guy who was indie uh, when he and Marion kissed, that was both of their first. That's kisses. right. That's kiss. Yeah. That's right. He mentioned that at the talk in the talk afterwards. Uh, so little things like that, you know, and they, they take a break for three years, whatever. But most remarkable is the primitive, you know, technology that they had to get this thing done. And there, there also was, I mean, by the time they, it, you know, the years wore on, I'm sure they had VHS copies of Raiders to kind of look at for reference. But before that, it was just the Marvel adaptation, you know, their, their, you know, co- the huge amounts of viewings that they had, maybe the, you know, the, the movie on, on record that came out. Um, but they were just, you know, and they used all the materials that were there, like the, 
the you know the screenplay that got published with the with the storyboards in it, the official magazine that they used all the the resources they could, but they had no internet and they had no no high tech to get this thing done. So it's really amazing. So um, if if for anything. To, to finally get a copy of this thing and to see it anytime you want, I recommend heading over to the, the Kickstarter and, uh, and donating. So That's cool. Very yeah, I'll find the link and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, kind of along the same line, but not nearly as charming, but funny. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with Channel 101, that thing that Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon started? Update me a little bit. So uh, it, it's been going on for years, and I, I actually got to go to some of the original ones even before it was called Channel 101. But it was kind of a uh, uh, it's a, a series of web series where they were they were calling it kind of the future of TV, where you would make a five minute pilot and you would show it at this live screening, and they'd show like you know ten to twenty at this live screening, and the people would vote on what they wanted to keep seeing, and if you got approved you would get to make another episode for the next month. And okay. uh, so it's kind of just this fun little thing. Like Chris Tallman did a really fun one called time belt. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, they've just done a, a bunch of them. So uh, yeah, and I got to go to a couple of early ones where they, I think the first thing that they did was they all at one point tried to make their own Rob Schraub would do these film festivals where they'd show a movie one week and then the next week you'd come back with your version of it. Okay. So I think the I think the first one was Jaws four, and then everyone had to bring back their their like Jaws their version of Jaws four. Uh, I and believe then, the the actual title is Jaws: The Revenge. I believe that is correct. Yes, this time it's personal. Let's not get people lost right. when they go looking for it. And then one year they uh, one time uh, they did one where they called Creep Tales from the Freak Side, <laughs> where they would give everyone uh, a title That's and they funny. would have to make sort of a Twilight Zone episode with a twist. That's funny. Uh, so I got to see that. And then they did a Batman one where everyone had to make their own Batman movie. But then it, it evolved into this Channel 101 thing. And one that I really love is called, and I might have mentioned it before, called Ikea Heights. Ah, uh, yes. Where they shoot that. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. I remember this. Yeah, they shoot it at Ikea, right? They, they Yeah, they shoot like <laughs> kind of like a soap opera in Ikea, unbeknownst to Ikea. So uh, they just, I guess they did a thing a, a year or so ago when the, they did that Footloose remake. Uh, in the theaters, which was where brilliant. they all, yeah, they all made their own version of Footloose, so they assigned each team a scene from it. Okay. Well, they've just done that again with RoboCop. Oh, okay. So uh, the full thing was posted today. Okay. So uh, it's it's, it's a, I'm sorry, it's a Kickstarter, or you can just go to Channel 101 or something. You can just go to Channel 101 okay. and, and watch it. Yeah, it's called Our RoboCop Remake. So it's okay. there's different people playing all the different characters in each scene. Some are animated. Some have puppets. Uh, we talk some about have this? cosplayers. Now that you brought it up, were, were you or are you or were you ever a RoboCop fan? Yeah, I liked RoboCop. I saw it in the theater and dug it. Did you see the second one in the theater? I did, yes. And, and, what, and what did you think about that one? Uh, not as good. I was intrigued by it just because it was Frank Miller, you know, wrote it. Oh yeah. And he's in it. Yeah. He's got that cameo as like a chemist or something, right? Yeah. He wrote two and three. I just, next uh, to, next to maybe Rambo, I guess. I can't think of another property that, uh, crossed generational barriers sort of. In mm-hmm. the way that RoboCop did, because it had this this second life after the first movie as an animated series. That's right. Yeah. Maybe maybe a one or two different animated series. I think, 
before they got to the second movie or maybe maybe in between. I don't know. But I mean, talk about a strange, a strange turn of events that this this incredibly violent, hard R. Yeah, satire, uh, satire, terrible, you know, vicious satire on the media and uh, violence and, and everything else uh, becomes an animated series. And a toy line. And a, a toy line. Well, there was the toy line that, that – now, nothing came out when the movie came out. There was no That's right. toy line when the film came out in 1987. I remember it was summer of 87 because it was the same uh, month or summer as The Living Daylight, Timothy Dalton's first uh, uh, Bond film. Um, and um, so that comes out. No no toy line. But then Kenner does a toy line, which ties in with – I think ties in with the animated series, right? That's correct. Yep. Then you had Toy Island. Do you remember those guys? Oh, I do. Those were some rough figures. Well, they 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 were, but I mean, if you look back on them, they did it a hell of a. I mean, they did a lot of stuff. I yeah. mean, they did, they did, or was it Kenner? Eventually, did a helmet, you know, for kids, and they did a gun, like a, like an arm, uh, you know, an arm machine gun that clamped onto your arm sort of thing. But Toy Island did a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then. Did someone else get it after that too? Did it go back to Kenner? Uh, I think maybe. Yeah. And then you know, eventually, you know, the, they were the McFarlands of the world, and yes, the NECA's. And... Yeah, and now NECA's got stuff, and they. But then Jada Toys are doing the stuff for the new film. Correct. Yeah. But NECA, so so it's had a, a crazy life, and of course, there's been loads of Japanese stuff, and there's like you know, high end five hundred dollar. 12 inch figures and stuff like that out there. But uh, I always thought that was just so strange that it became such a hot property for kids. Yeah. So it must've been a lot of parents or teenage brothers like handing down their VHS copies. But, but if you do, if you do check out the, the, uh, our RoboCop uh, remake, it is not safe for work. Oh, very much. So. Well, thank you for letting us know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to give you the heads up. There's uh, lots of, the, we haven't, you know, whenever, there's so much going on out there in the pop culture world, and you are more in tune than I am even with just knowing about stuff uh, that I feel like if we don't talk for like more than a week, we have double the stuff to catch up on. There's so much crap going on. That's um, true. So why don't you go first about what you're sort of excited about heading into Toy Fair or just what you've been up to, what you've been watching? Uh, well, I did see the Lego movie. Yes. Uh, which I, I mentioned, couldn't wait for it. And it, it you know, I, I knew when, I, when they first announced it, I had my reservations that you could make a good Lego movie. It really? just seems like, yeah. Uh, See, I'm, but that was, that was back in the time when they announced it, yeah. they still weren't, when they were doing the games, yeah. no one talked in the games. Ah. So it was all sort of pantomime and little sounds and stuff. Yeah. They have since started writing entire storylines that are very funny and very charming. And that sort of put my mind at ease. But, you know, anytime you hear like the Candyland movie or Battleship or anything like that, yeah. you go, how's this going to work? Uh -huh. uh, See, I would have thought this would have lent itself. I would have thought it would lend itself easily to a, to a film, an animated film, unless they said it was going to be like a live action Lego movie. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like that, that I yeah. would have thought it would have been kind of a given, but uh, I can see what you're saying. So this thing is just a love letter to children, to uh, Lego fans, to uh, collectors. Just, I mean, it, it sweeps across all categories and exceeded every expectation. Oh, fine. It is 
so wonderful and so charming. There's so many little Easter eggy things. If you're a modern Lego collector, uh-huh. if you're an old school Lego collector, you know, like I built all those 80s sets, or the, the space sets in the 80s. Sure. I built that original Yellow Castle. There's all this layered stuff that, even if you don't know about it, still fun. But if you do, it's incredible. They pack in, I think, every single character from all 12 series of blind bag minifigures. Oh, that's crazy. At some point in the background. Oh, wow. And just when you think that there's not a message to the whole thing, uh-huh. it does this tectonic shift hmm. that socks you in the face and you'll weep in the theater. Oh, come on. I'm serious. You're telling me I pay my 12 bucks to see the Lego movie. I'm going to come out of there uh, with blubbing like a, like a baby? Yes. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm not against loving uh, in the theater. So cannot recommend it highly enough. Oh, that's and good. it's uh, I didn't see it in 3D, but I would think it would be very very fun in 3D, but it's it's a masterpiece. Uh Mark Mothersbaugh does all the music. Nice. And for those of you that uh, don't know, Mark Mothersbaugh. He does he does all the stuff for Wes Anderson films. He was one of the founding members of Devo. That's right. Lead and lead uh, vocalist of Devo. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned 3D because the kids seem to love it so much. Uh, just as a sidebar, since last time we talked about uh, Prisoners, uh, how much I enjoyed Prisoners, and uh, me making fun of gravity yes. and it's, it's certain elements, um, someone uh, turned me on to this. There's a, there's a, a radio show or, or a serious show called The Opie and Anthony Show. Opie yep. and Andy, Opie and Anthony. Uh-huh. Don't really know Opie who these Andy. guys are, but someone said you got to check this episode out because Louis C.K., the great Louis C.K., uh, is on the show. And if anybody wants to find it on YouTube, just you know, search for uh, Louis C.K. Gravity. Uh, at about the 17-minute mark, he gives a nice four- or five-minute dissertation on his thoughts on gravity, and it's very, very funny. Uh, he's much harsher than I am towards the film or about the film, but it's very, very funny. Uh, so if anybody's keen, um, go give that a listen. Um, the other thing, you just said something about movies. You saw Lego. Um, boy, I haven't been to the theater in so long. I don't even know. But speaking of uh, Prisoners, the one that I was raving about, um, mm-hmm. there is a trailer kind of making the rounds now for a new film called Enemy. And it's the same director and Jake Gyllenhaal is in this one as well. And it, it's it's about a guy who's like a college professor or something, and he happens to watch a film that he sees a guy in this movie that is basically his duplicate. And I don't, I don't know if he tracks the guy down, if the guy tracks him down or what, but it just seems creepy and uh, kind of unnerving already in this trailer. And if you any of you have seen Prisoners and enjoyed it, it's the same director, and Gyllenhaal again, uh, and it could be uh, an interesting. I mean, the trailer seems interesting. I think it's a remake, maybe of like a Spanish film or something. Okay. But uh, I just happened to to see that. And on the same note, since we haven't spoken in so long, have we talked about the new Captain America: The Winter Soldier trailer? No, I don't think we did. The, the one from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, Redford, just bring it on. <laughs> can't get here sooner more enough. Redford but just to see I mean I was never I was always a comic book kid you know I, I mm-hmm. but I wasn't religious about it you know I, I pick stuff up now and then and one of the books that I always tried to pick up was Captain America and the Falcon 
And then there was, remember we talked about the Power Records stuff that we like so much? Oh, yeah. There's that very, very famous one of uh, Captain America and the Falcon. I forget, they're fighting, they're fighting Electro or someone like that. Um, and man, I used to play that thing over and over and over. Um, so, you know, Captain America and the Falcon were always one of my favorite, my two favorite characters. And just the kind of rhythm that they had, and there was some great Kirby stuff with them. Just to see, you know, the two of them together on screen. You know, it's just one of those moments for me that we always talk about, like, did we ever think we'd see the day that this would happen or this would happen? You know, that that's a very cool thing to think that maybe you'd get a a bunch of movies with those two guys as yeah, yeah. as partners. Uh, so it looks really cool. I, I mean, I can't – they just – oh, and by the way, I saw Thor 2. Oh, good. I, 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 we got a – you know, the new thing now with the TV where you can download the films and stuff and you can own them, you know? Right, yeah. Well, we did that. Okay. They came with all the extras that the DVD comes with. Oh, that's that, very nice. That ex, there's an extra with um, <laughs> there's an extra with the Mandarin. Or oh right, yeah. Trevor Slattery. I mean, yeah, I haven't got to see that full thing yet. I've seen the trailer for that, but not that, the full thing. That short. Not only is it one of the best, if not the best, shorts they've done so far, it's almost better than the movie. That short. Uh, and there's some other extra stuff too, but this just I can't wait for you to see it so we can talk about it. Pay attention to it. Very, very funny. Very good. Uh, and they did one of those that was great uh, for the Captain America that I think was on the Iron Man 3 DVD. The one with uh, Agent Carter. With what's her name? Yes, that was good, too. They're all yeah. pretty pretty cool. I'll tell you, though, do you remember when they started to do those um, DC – well, they still do the direct-to-DVD ones. But do you remember when they put the shorts on there, too? Yep, at the beginning. And do you yep. remember that short – with the spirit, I'm sorry, the Spectre. The Spectre. And yeah. it was like set in the 70s. Yeah, and it was like Gary yeah. Cole was doing the voice, I think. And yep. it had that mid-70s like black exploitation kind of vibe to it. That was one of the single coolest things they ever did, was that, that Spectre short. But, it's, uh, but I enjoyed Thor 2. Um, I, didn't, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And it's like, you know, the more you talk about this Marvel stuff, and I'm getting to something here, uh, between that trailer for, for Cap, all the rumors we're hearing about just what's coming and when it's coming, you know, what summer, what year. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy gets more and more interesting. Uh, their casting choices, their director choices, you know, they, they're, they're really knocking it out of the park. Conversely, DC and Warner Brothers, I'll tell you, every next announcement I hear they're trying to push me further and further away from having any interest in this Batman Superman movie. And the latest batch of announcements, which is going back now, what, a week or two, I think? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Irons is going to be Alfred, which, yep. you know, I'm, I'm okay with. I'm not totally against. The name that always got bandied around as a rumor was Timothy Dalton. And that fit better to me. If, you're gonna, if you want to make him... Uh, to me, more interesting or have more of a past, I would have bought that uh, a little bit better than Irons. Although I, you know, I, I enjoy Jeremy Irons, whatever. But the biggest one is uh, Jesse Eisenberg uh, as Lex Luthor. Yes. Uh, now that that chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I thought you know as soon as I heard it, the first person I thought of was Daniel Pickett, who was very good. At, at walking the fence and being 
positive because you want everything to turn out for the best. You don't just you know drink the Kool-Aid when you're done with it. If you don't like it when you're done with it, you'll say, eh, but, but you, you, you want to hope for the best that the people that are in charge of such things, maybe they're seeing something we don't. Right. Well, this to me, I thought there's no way Pickett's going to love this idea. There's no way you're going to think Eisenberg and Luthor is a match made in heaven. Well, I mean, if you're making Lex Luthor look just like Mark Zuckerberg uh, from Facebook, then, uh, yeah, he's he's the choice for you. Well, if, if, but they, if you want him to be like an evil Internet genius or, uh, you know, the kid from Zombieland, he's just he's the same in everything. He's the same he exact was, thing was, in every single thing. You know, when he first turned up, the first thing I think I saw him in was was it Noah and the Whale? Was that the name of that movie with Jeff Daniels? Yeah. Uh, and he was great in it, you know, because it was kind of like, oh, who is this kid? Like, I'd never seen him before, and I, he's got a strange rhythm to the way he's talking. And, and then you see him, and you see him, and you see him, and you realize it's the only thing he does. But no, more than that, it's like, talk about telegraphing exactly what you plan on doing with this character. You know, if you, if you want to talk about lazy storytelling and trying to get from A to B with the fan base or the audience or whatever – we pretty much know exactly what they're going to do with Lex Luthor now, you know, yeah. and Luthor to me, this was an opportunity to make him more than, you know, you know, I, I again, I, I, you know, we talked about 66 Batman and how much we love it. But for me, that's not what I think of when I think of Batman. It's a very specific thing. Um, I tend to think of a lot of the animated stuff, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the animated series, classic animated stuff. Same thing yeah. with Lex Luthor. Uh, Clancy Brown and that design for the Superman animated series and then Justice League is what I think of when I think of Luthor now. Not like a a sort of wimpy fay kind of genius, but a guy that is charismatic, you know, physically as well, and, and then he's got the brains to to back it up. So to me, this was an opportunity to really go somewhere with the character. Yep. Uh, and uh, boy, they're just they're just. Swinging a broom at my head, trying to get me away from the porch. Like, <laughs> don't come to see our movie. Well, you're doing a great yeah. job. I mean, wouldn't you say, though, overall, that Marvel is just like – how many things did Marvel announced recently where you said, oh, that was – really? That's who you're going to pick to be the – you know, whereas this stuff is just – Yeah, they just uh, – what is it? Like, what's his name is going to be the Vision now, they said? Is it Paul Bettany? Oh, yeah, that's another one. I mean, yeah. There you, go. you know, and, and the casting James Spader as the voice of Ultron, it's just like, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that can't get here soon enough. You know, they're they're not picking flavor of the month. They're not just going with, you know, you know, and and Rihanna as Dazzler or whatever. You know, they're 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 thinking about the best people for the part that are going to bring something to it or have a certain amount of appeal. I love the idea of Paul Bettany. First off, I love the vision. I'm not an uh, an expert on all the ins and outs of his, his stories over the years. But as a design, I think it's one of the most beautiful designs that Marvel ever, ever you know, uh, had for any of their characters. So I hope that they stick pretty closely to that. But, um, yeah, that's, there you go. I mean, that's, to me, it's like from one day to the next, Eisenberg versus Bettany is everything you need to know about the way they're making these movies, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have anything personal against Jesse Eisenberg. I wish him all the best. Um, and I've seen loads of his movies, so I can comment on it. I just don't think <clears throat> he's not the guy for me. Yeah, he was um, He was on Modern Family a couple of days ago, and it, it it was the same character he played in Zombieland, the same thing he played in 
you know, the Facebook movie. It's just, it's the same thing. Yeah. And someone did a very funny little meme, you know, the day it was announced that, you know, they had him bald and then next to him was Jonah Hill with a monocle and a top hat and a penguin. <laughs> and then Michael Sarah made up to look like the Joker. Just like the three of them together. Well, somebody made a comment on Ain't It Cool. Ain't It Cool News posted, there are character posters, one sheets that are going up for Winter Soldier. And there's a, a one sheet just for Redford. Uh, yeah. But it, say, it doesn't say Robert Redford says the name of his character and then you know winter soldier or something and uh the first comment that somebody made was if this was a dc movie redford's character would be played by jonah hill <laughs> i was like yeah that's pretty much pretty much it speaking of yeah. we talked but by the way though Jones, just real quick jonah hill uh it plays a hilarious green lantern in the lego movie okay Again, I don't mind this guy, you know, Jonah Hill. I, I, I think he's just fine. But, you know, the guy's been nominated twice for Best Supporting Actor. And I couldn't – I almost couldn't finish The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, hmm. Not because I, I, I am not a prude by any means. It just I, – I, when, when you see it, we should talk about it because I, I don't know – it's not a bad film. Uh, it's just fine. But it's like you're watching the same eight-minute scene – over and over and over and over. Okay. It's just, at a certain point, you've got to take breaks. Like, I don't know how much narcissism, masochism, you know, sexism, you know, horrible treatment of, of women and minorities and homosexuals. Like, I don't know how much I can watch in one sitting. So I'll take a break and I'll come back to it tomorrow. You know, it's kind of like that. And he's fine in it, but my God, best supporting actor. Give me a, give me a break. The whole thing shouldn't have been nominated. It's just not that. Not that interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so so there's that. Oh, we had to talk about all that all that casting stuff. Um, right. Let's talk- and there's a bunch of casting that they're talking about now for that new Gotham uh, TV show that Fox is going to do based on kind of early Batman. Right. So now we in know fact, there's going to be like Penguin and Catwoman stuff in it. And and Sean Pertwee. Yeah, third, that was announced today. Third Doctor John Pertwee's son, Sean Pertwee who in a perfect world would have popped into the 50th anniversary show as for a cameo as his dad, because he would look so much like him and sound like him. He's been cast as um, Alfred, right? Is that right? I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so, so there's all that going on. Um, I also wanted to talk about something, but you go first. Tell me there's something about the Ninja Turtles, because you're a big turtle head. Well, yeah, so don't take something that's happened in, in the couple of weeks that we've been away, there's been a lot of images leaking out from the film. So uh, the first thing I think that came out was uh, like a, a shot from a catalog of one of the costumes, like a Halloween costume. Okay. Uh, but now we've started to see some stuff of the guys on set and some of the toys and things. And uh, yeah, have you seen any of these images yet? I have not. So I know you're not, you know, a big a big turtle guy and stuff. And there's there's certain elements of of these designs that I, that are interesting to me. I feel like, you know, uh, they're, they're very turtley, which they should be. But then the stuff that they try and make them sort of teenagery, where they've got like sunglasses on and like necklaces and sweatshirts tied around their waist. Okay. Uh, just don't 
seem to jibe with the ninja aspect of them. You know, if you're if you're a ninja, you don't want like a lot of jangly necklaces. Well, how do you, you know, on break? and sunglasses clacking against your shell? How do you know they're not like taking out their own break or something? I mean, maybe that's right. Maybe the, now, maybe now wait is. a second. So this this is so this is a live action. This is going to be live action, just like the original uh, movies were. This is a live action film done directed by Michael Bay. Uh, it stars uh, uh, what's her name is April O'Neil. Megan Megan. Uh, why can't I think of her last name? Oh, the the, the girl from Transformers. Oh, uh, because she's been away for so long. Megan Megan Megan. Yeah, her name's Megan. Megan. I can't believe anything. So yeah, it's so the the turtles will be CG. Okay. In the film, but it's a it's a live action feature. Oh, interesting. That's okay. And that's going to be what summer of 2016 or something? I think it's I think it's later this year. Okay. Or it's either that or early next year. But you the, the original sort of uh, Fox, the original hangups that you had about certain aspects of the story changing or the script that you'd heard about, hasn't that sort of been rectified? Hasn't that been changed because people got really uptight about it? It sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was a Ninja Turtle fan of the original comic, That's right. which you know, was a parody of Daredevil. Can I quote you? Yes. You were a fan from way back when it was teenage mutant Ninja Turtles before it became teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. That's correct. And, it, yes. and, it, and that was mostly for the cartoon and, you know, everybody jump again. It wouldn't you say it's also kind of a weird one. That was a very dark, strange kind of comic and characters. Oh, that yeah. Found it. It's same with the Tick. It wasn't quite. Tick wasn't as dark, but Tick was a weird comic that you know, God help it, made it to an anime series and a live action series, wonder in a wonderful way. But Turtles was kind of a weird. Th- wouldn't you have thought like that initial run of comics? You probably couldn't make that into an animated series for kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see how they did. And, you know, again, the, I'm not so precious about them that they can't change. They've been through a lot of iterations, you know, even just within their own feature films right. and, you know, uh, an animated series and stuff. You know, of course, anytime Michael Bay gets a hold of anything, you, you the hair on the back of your neck stands up a little bit. Sure. But uh, for me, uh, I don't hate the designs. They're, they're not as, as awful as I thought they might be, okay. you know, with – because you know he did a pretty radical transformation of the Transformers. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't hate them. I know certain people do. I just I think there's some things that haven't been thought all the way through. We'll say. Okay. But but again, you know, I'll give it a try. All right. Um, I I'm, I just might too if I hear enough enough good things uh, about it. Um, speaking of giving things a try, because you're going to tell me a little rumor that you heard, but I just want to give two two cents to. Um, the Beatles' 50th anniversary celebration that was done for their first appearance in the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, mm-hmm. CBS aired a, a special the other night. Did you see any of it? Did you get a chance to see any of it? Uh, I've watched, I think, the first 15 to 20 minutes of it, uh, but I've got the rest of it on the DVR. I just haven't finished it yet. It's pretty good. I'm not trying to sound like an old fuddy-duddy. I fast-forwarded through many of the, the cover tunes that different artists did. Um, Eurythmics, great to see them together. They did a great version of Fool on the Hill. Um, and, of course, it's just... Just the the sheer uh, history involved and seeing Jeff Lynne and pay close attention to kind of the house band, Peter Frampton on lead guitar, Um, you know, Paul, Ringo, Jeff Bridges, Dave Grohl, like just the history of all these guys in the same room is is pretty cool. But one of the highlights 
uh, Dave Grohl does a version of Hey Bulldog off the Yellow Submarine uh, album, which I remember there was an article or a special issue of Mojo a year or two ago regarding the Beatles. I think he wrote the introduction, and he was saying how his five-year-old daughter, who's in the audience for this show, uh, who's now like probably seven or something, how timeless the Beatles are, and he gives proof that you know Hey Bulldog is her favorite song. And anytime he puts it on, she just starts jumping around the room like a crazy person. And then he gets to play it with the band and Jeff Lynn. Uh, you know, and he says it's for for my parents. Uh, you know, for for me, my generation. He said, and for my daughter now, who, who loves the Beatles. So it's really a cool moment. And Grohl is just—you can tell how—he's just such a. He just strikes me as one of those guys that's just such a a rock historian is not ashamed of, of loving any of this stuff. And you, uh, he always impresses me. Uh, so that, that's a cool moment. And it was, and it was, a, pretty, it was a pretty good show uh, overall. Fun to see Paul and Ringo together, of course. And they get interviewed by Letterman uh, throughout, like a pre-taped interview, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and just this, I mean, the, the, the fascinating thing, to be on CBS again, 50 years to the day later, you know, CBS still has the Ed Sullivan Theater I mean, that, that stuff is just crazy, you know? It really is. I, mean, they, I love it. They talked to some of the, the stagehands, the director and some of the you know, set guys, and just, just getting – and then they talked to some women that were you know, teenage girls in the audience. Okay. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's, there's, some really, there's some really fun moments. Um, and some of the covers are okay. Some I could do without. But it's just uh, – it's nice that there was a celebration. Uh, you know, it was like two and a half hours, so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. On the same note, I know we've got to wrap this up very soon. I just got to give a scream here to the HBO series True Detective, which – have you been watching it by, by chance? I have not. It has been a slow burn because it's, it, it's one of those shows. It's like it's technically great. The acting is great. You're intrigued. But you just you – just, you know, as you're watching it, you're like, please let this come to some kind of a conclusion at the end. Like there's so many threads going on. And the framework, which I'm, if you've seen any of the teasers, you know the framework, is – Whenever the story took place, 17 years later, uh, Woody Harrelson's character and Matthew McConaughey's character are being interviewed separately. Uh, so something – and they're very different people now. Something went down all these years later with this case, and they're, being, they're talking to detectives, and we're getting the flashbacks of the, of the story. Well, it, it's been a great show. I haven't loved it, but I've really liked it. The last episode that aired – you should find this this last Sunday – was one of the best – pieces of television I have seen I don't know since when it was it was amazing and it kept building and building and building when it gets to the climax it is six minutes they shot this essentially action sequence uh, gritty action sequence a six minute take they rehearsed it for like a week and a half I guess and shot it like six or seven times but it is a remarkable piece of old school kind of uh, movie making, you know, without the the aid of you know CG and stuff, uh, but it really hit a new a new high, and it's just about the best thing on television, I think. Uh, yeah, my, my my Facebook page was blowing up that night of people who were watching it and were very impressed by it. And, so. and again, I want to say, you know, when I was talking about Gyllenhaal earlier, how like I never I never minded the guy, and I didn't dislike him or anything, but he's grown on me as an actor. I used to not be, I couldn't stand Matthew McConaughey. Like, I loved him in Days and Confused, and then when he exploded around the time of A Time to Kill and he was kind of everywhere, um, I didn't think he was that great. Well, he has had this incredible year between um, Wolf of Wall Street. He's, he's got two scenes, and he steals the movie. Um, Dallas Buyers Club, 
and this true detective, he is just uh, really, really, you know, knocking it out of the park. Again, he's just a, a great, great actor. Uh, so uh, check it out if and when you can. Uh, what else you got before we got to wrap this up? Uh, just real quick, Game of Thrones, the Funko Legacy figures, which are the six-inch sort of Marvel Legendsy kind of figures, yes. uh, are actually starting to hit. They're hitting a little early. You're kidding me. Uh, at Barnes & Noble. No way. Uh, they are exclusive to Barnes & Noble for 30 days. No. They have a street date of, I think, the 15th. So, you know, whatever that is next this next week, we, uh, Saturday. Can we talk about the elephant in the room, then, as long as you brought it up? What is that elephant? Well, we've got the Funko thing, and I, and again... Before I even say anything, I want to preface this by saying I hope they sell by the truckload and we get more and more three and three quarter inch or retro or reaction, whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting because we initially started talking about this and I said there are so many titles being thrown around, which is remarkable in itself that so many titles at once, all the licenses that were obtained and so on, they clearly have been working hard at this for a long time. Um, but I was curious about how they were going to do this. And I think you and I talked about this where we were wondering, we kind of put out the theory that maybe uh, the three and three quarter inch, because if you look at the six inch titles that are announced, it's not all the same as the three and three quarter inch. Okay. You know, it's only like six or seven. Maybe these small ones, maybe they're going to take the Minimates route and it's, it's, they're not going to worry about likenesses and the images have hit. And I'm happy to say that my theory, at least, was correct. That they they're trying they're trying something new here with the the retro thing, and likeness rights are not going to be an issue, because other than the Rocketeer, <laughs> no, it's true. No, it's I, no, I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that they they tried to get the actor's likeness in a sculpt and they didn't pull it off. They're deliberately right. making these not look like the actors. Because the likeness rights aren't there in these licenses for, for action yeah. figures. Um, so I'd be, I'm very curious to know what the audience response is going to be overall. Um, if they care, it's not going to matter, you know, whatever. Um, and then what this, I can't wait to see what the six-inch line is going to be. Having said that, with the Rocketeer figure, I will buy a case of just those figures. Oh yeah, uh, I've won that. So yeah, they've shown so far. They've shown uh, Escape from New York, a couple of Snake Pliskins. They've shown some Predator, some Terminator, uh, and Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, were the others that we've seen so far. Yes, the Rocketeer, the one Rocketeer figure. And then, uh, yeah, all, all those. If you go, I mean, Entertainment Earth, I think, got the exclusive uh, yep. to hit all those. And then others are listed, like the Firefly ones are listed and some other ones. But I'm thinking with Firefly, Rocketeer, Game of Thrones, obviously, maybe a couple others, likeness rights are there, and you're going to see six-inch, you know, you know, very, very accurate sculpts, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm curious to see all of them in person, you know, so far it's just pictures on, on the screen. So I'll see them. I think I see them on Sunday, actually first day of toy fair. Oh, very cool. So the yeah. toy fair is from when to when? Uh, it officially starts Sunday, but there's the Hasbro thing on Saturday and it runs through Wednesday. All right. Uh, anything else you want to, you want to hit? Uh, I think everything else we'll probably need to save till next. Well, I, I guess one sort of uh, follow-up thing that's kind of sad. It's not kind of sad. It's very sad. But Sergeant Windricks, uh, who's actually Craig Windricks, who we spoke about, uh, the gentleman. Oh, who yeah. The brother. Action figure. The NECA connection. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's the brother of NECA, one of NECA's lead sculptors. That's right. Uh, and they made that figure of him that is out now. It's beautiful. Just saw it. It's really nice. Yeah. I picked it up just a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, he actually did lose his fight with cancer oh. this past week. So, oh. Uh, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, but I mean, it was uh, he just following his story. It's just he would get better and then worse, and and you know this kind of last week. It was really, really rough shape. So hopefully, you know, there, there's a bit of peace in his family knowing that he's not not suffering and stuff. But, I mean, he that guy was a fighter. Oh, that's, he could actually be a colonial Marine. That's very sad. Well, our thoughts go out to, to all the folks at NECA and his family and friends and everything. It's a terrible, as any of you know that have been through such things, it's a terrible, terrible thing to watch people suffer like that. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, not trying to be... Uh, you know, the G.I. Joe animated series giving you one to grow on. But folks, if you're ever curious about anything anywhere on your body, don't 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 waste time worrying about it. Just go get it figured out. Don't don't wait on any of this stuff because uh, it can change your life very, very quickly. Um, on a similar note, but just very strange. I just want to say, you know, how weird the whole Philip Seymour Hoffman thing. Uh, well, oh, yeah. He's a guy that I, again, I, I didn't love his stuff, but I liked a lot of it. And I thought he was, you know, really good at, at um, a lot of what he did. And um, I, I actually met him once uh, in line for popcorn at the Chinese, oh. at the Chinese theater. Uh, he was right next to me. And something weird happened with the guy in front of us or something. We both kind of chuckled. And then I got to talking. And it was right around the time that the dude and Walter, the first figures, were, were going to hit. Okay. And so I said something to the effect of, you know, sorry to, you know, bore you, but I'm doing these things. And he was just, he couldn't have been nicer. He just was like, oh, you're kidding me. Really? You're doing that? You're doing everybody? And I was like, well, it's, we're trying to talk to Universal, <laughs> you know, with all the, the the names. Everyone's not there, but, you know, you might be getting a call. He's like, oh, man, that would be really cool. I'll look for him. He couldn't have been, couldn't have been nicer. You know, I don't, it doesn't seem doesn't say anything about his person. I don't know what he was like as a person or anything, but, um, but it was just a very strange thing to hear um, the way he died. So, um, you know, let that be a lesson to everybody as well. You know, yep. keep your eye on, yep. you know, my, I've cut my heroin use down to twice a day and I'm trying to taper off from there. I think they said they found like 50 bags of heroin. Yeah. In his apartment. Well, the sad thing that, is, seems, that seems like a lot. That seems like that seems like a crazy weekend. But it's the, the weird thing about it is they they were saying that some of this new stuff that's out there has a has a drug mixed in that is used for cancer patients. You know the, the amount of pain that, that that chemo patients go through is is extraordinary. So it's a very contained amount that these patients. Well, they were mixing it into um, this heroin apparently, um, which is really really scary and nasty, but apparently early toxicology is not saying anything specific. Um, but, um, but he was always one of those guys that I thought would drop into the Marvel or DC universe. You know, he just didn't, it seem like he just would eventually his name would come up and he'd yeah. be one of these characters or something. He totally could. Yeah. You know? So, um, well, that's, uh, that's that's real sad about Windrix and, and his family and everything. So our thoughts are out with those guys, and uh, and it's good to be back. Thanks for for listening, everybody. I hope you've missed us. We will do this from time to time. We will we will take a little bit extra, a little extra time to get to get another show up just to make you miss us. That's right. We just do, it. and there'll probably be a little gap because I'll be in New York. That's right. Next week, so, so uh, uh, we'll see what we can do for the next episode. Yeah, you never know. You never know. You might be bored in New York at two in the morning and you want to get on the, the Skype or something and I'll be waiting for you. All right. That sounds good. All right. 
Well, everyone have a good week and keep your eyes on uh, Action Figure Insider for all our Toy Fair coverage. And, Up to uh, the minute be- Toy Fair coverage at AFI. And please, everyone, think warm thoughts for me and uh, yes. and the staff there because we're going to be very cold. Safe travels. I recommend taping some Zagnut bars to your, to your legs when you get on the plane just in case. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Safe travels. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.